He is risen. He is risen. It is Easter Sunday, and we are blessed to have you here at Northwest Baptist. We just had a wonderful service earlier with many faces that I hadn't seen in a long, long time. Beautiful to see people's faces. Beautiful that you are here to worship the Lord God Almighty. We as believers in Christ Jesus celebrate the resurrection because it is the centerpiece of our faith. You see, our faith is not one of a blind obscure ritual, but one of faith in the resurrected Son of God who sits at the right hand of the Father. He is alive. He is not dead. He appeared to his disciples, and after his appearing to his disciples, he appeared to more than 500 people who saw the risen Lord and became witnesses of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, which began the church, the people of God through every generation testify to the risen Savior who now sits enthroned on high above every name. You see, the gospel is the good news and it never, ever gets old. It doesn't grow tired or weary or out of date. It does not become irrelevant. It does not change. It is truth. And because of this gospel, those who belong to Jesus, he is our life. And this morning we celebrate that fact because we live because Christ lives within us. This is Christ who is my life. If you'll turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter three. The book of Colossians is written by the apostle Paul to the church in Colossae. It, is, it gives one of the most clear pictures of Christ as the author and king of creation. He is the head of the church and he is God. It is also gives clear instructions within the church on how to live in Christ in every area of our life. Paul writes this book to counter the false teachings going on in the church at the time, and Paul says, let us look to Christ, who he is, and how we live in the power of the resurrection of Christ, because Christ is my life. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. If you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word, we'll stand together and read this very important passage which gives life to our souls. Thank you for joining us online. If you are with us, we are blessed to have you this Easter Sunday as it is a blessing to celebrate as the body of Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You may be seated. Amen. 
What a passage of scripture this morning. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we, your church, come to you. Father, not because we are deserving or we are good, but because you are good and your grace and your mercy is so big. Father, when we see this passage that we are raised in Christ, that we are now hidden with him, let us be reminded that our life is Christ, for you are worthy. You have given us a new life, one that seeks you. Let us be reminded of your love for us as we study this passage on this resurrection day. Father, give life to our mortal bodies that we may live in the power of the resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I often wonder what people think about being a Christian. I I sometimes have questions myself and often I I wonder if you have some of those questions. Am Am I good enough? Am I, am I doing it the right way? Am I doing this Christian thing the right way? Do I have what it takes? Sometimes I even feel as if I am failing in the Christian life. You ever done that before? When I was in fifth grade, my parents got a new boat. I can remember it like it was yesterday. If you're in Oklahoma, you get on the lake. That's really what you do. Except it wasn't a new boat. It was a new boat for us, but it wasn't really a new boat. It was a 1972 Trisonic. You boaters probably know what that is, but it, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, I was 10 years old, and I'd probably been on the lake two times on a friend's or, or relative's boat before. My parents really didn't have a clue what they were doing on the lake or in the boat. So my uncle drove up from... South Texas to come and show us this boat to, to start it, to figure out how to make it go, to back it down. So, so we get this 20-year-old beauty out of the, of the garage and we pull it down the ramp and after 15 times of trying to back this thing down the ramp, there might have been some yelling, I don't know, but we got the boat in the water. And we're thinking to ourselves, is this thing going to start? We get it in the water and it starts right up. Beautiful. We back it out. We get on the water. We're cruising on the lake. We feel the, the wind in our faces. See the beautiful scenery. Feeling pretty good about this boat. When all of a sudden I look down and this water in the floorboard and I say, Mom, is this supposed to happen in, this, in the boat? I mean, is this just normal occurrence? And we looked in the engine and water begins filling the engine console. What's happening? What are we to do? You see, there's this thing in the back of the boat called the plug and if it's not screwed in in the back of the boat, the water comes in and fills the boat up with water, eventually it sinks. 
So we drive it back onto the land. We take it to the shop. They say there's not much damage here. We fix it all up. And a few weeks later, we get our boat back out to go again. This time we get it back down a little bit. Maybe it was seven times instead of 15 times to back it in. We get the, the boat in the water. We check all of these things. We're getting it and we start to go. And all of a sudden, we see the water again. We forgot to put the plug in again. This time, we got overconfident, got too far away from the boat dock, and the engine doesn't start. We begin to sink. We flag people down, they tow us in. Before it sinks to the bottom of the lake, we have failed. Miserably trying to do the simple things that we are supposed to do as boat owners. Maybe this is how you feel as a Christian. Like I'm not able to stop the indulgences of the flesh. You see Paul in his previous section in chapter two talks about man's attempts to sever from the body some of the desires of the flesh by having regulations, do not taste, do not touch. And he says of these rules in verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom, talking about these regulations that he's put in his life in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. These man-made rules provide no value in stopping the flesh from happening. The simplest things in the Christian life. Then he says, look to Christ and his power to put to death the flesh and its desires and to put on Christ. Look, man, don't forget the most important thing of the Christian life, which is Christ himself. Because when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. You have died and now your life is hidden with Christ and God. Instead of focusing on what you can and cannot do, focus upon what is real, what is true. Focus upon that which will last. So this Easter, we're going to talk about what it means to live in the power of the resurrection of Christ. Amen? Let's look at verse one. If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. This is our first point this morning, which is this. My life in Christ is to be lived in the power of the resurrection. My life in Christ is to be lived in the power of the resurrection. You see that word if in some of your translations, it is since. I think there's a better translation is since in the Greek. Since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. The fact is, is that 
you have been raised with Christ. And that raised with Christ, resurrection with Christ, allows you to seek the things that are above. You see, so to be raised means that you have had to die first. You see, he talks about this death in Colossians 2.12. He says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse three also talks about this dying, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. How did I die? What is he talking about? Buried with him in baptism. Baptism, if you've ever seen a baptism, it is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. You go under the water, you come out of the water, raised in a new life. It's a picture of what God has done inside of you, internally, in your heart. Rob dies. It's the identity with Christ. Rob is dead, and now he lives in Jesus. He is a new creation. It is because of my sin was paid for by Christ. The old man is dead, and now I live in Jesus. This is what it means to place your faith completely upon the finished work of the cross of Christ, I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. I died. My sins are gone. And now I live in the power of the one who raised from the dead. You see, Jesus took my place on the cross. Jesus in my place. Galatians 2.20 says it best. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here we are now saying that if your sins are paid for by Christ and you are dead, you also live in the power of the resurrected Christ. And what he does is he comes to live inside you through his spirit and he gives you a new heart, new desires, and a new life, one that loves God and wants to live his mission. Romans 8.10 tells us about this new life and the power of God now living inside us. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So what does this mean? Since you have been raised with Christ, You are a new creation. The spirit of the living God dwells in you. Therefore, we as the church, the people of God, must live in this reality, in the real, not in a fake reality. 
Verse two says it this way. Set your minds on things that are above what is real, not on things that are on the earth. My family and I have been playing this uh, epic Monopoly game. Sometimes it feels almost like a lifetime when you play a long Monopoly game. I think it's been going on for two weeks and sometimes it lasts a long time. Y'all have played Monopoly before. You have the little little things. You, you definitely don't want to be the thimble, right? When you're one of the, you get one of these characters. You don't want to be the thimble who, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. But then you go around and you collect all of these properties. Some of you get Boardwalk and Park Place, these real expensive, nice properties. Some of you get something like Marvin Gardens, right? Not, not so much, but you, you build these houses, you, you build these properties, you collect this money. Some, some people are savers and some people are spenders and you accumulate this and you go around in a circle, around and around and around in a circle. Only at some point to end the game and put it all back in the box. Last time I checked, the death rate on this earth is a one-to-one ratio. At some point, all the money we have accumulated, all the cars, second homes, all that we've done to improve ourselves and spend on our pleasures just goes back into the box. Paul calls the church, the people of God, to live in their reality, which is that they will be in the presence of God for all of eternity. Set your mind on things above. You see, our spirit is with God for all eternity. Our body is stuck in this monopoly game we call life for a few years. So we are to set our mind upon things that are True and lasting and eternal. Live as Jesus, live as if Jesus rules and eternity is real. You all know the phrase YOLO, right? You only live once. You may know that from your grandchildren or your children or yourself you know that you only live once basically do everything you can to satisfy in this world because it all goes back into the box right I've decided to make a new acronym based upon this passage it's called YALF Y-A-L-F instead of YOLO you only live once YALF you actually live forever Jesus talks about this when he's talking about the abundance of possessions that we have. He says this in Luke 12, 15. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. 
And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. YOLO. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Who knows when the game will end? That's why we live in the reality as the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as ones who have been raised with Christ. So what does it look like to live your life in the presence of God today and for all eternity? What does it look like to set your mind upon things that are above one, I think, is it here in this passage is it means to recognize who Jesus is, that he is Lord. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You see, throughout the book of Colossians, Paul has shown the supremacy of Christ. It's no different here that he is at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians 1.19 says this, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We live as people who know Christ as he is, Lord above all things. That means obedience to him. So what matters in this life? Besides obedience to him as Lord, what, what else matters? Well, people matter. The message of the gospel matters. Transforming people from death to life, that matters because of the power of Christ, because they will worship him for all eternity as well. What else matters? The worship of God together with the saints, that matters. Did you know that the gathering of believers every week is a small taste of what it will be like in heaven? You see, people who come together to worship their God, hopefully they are so overwhelmed by his glory that it melts 
their face off when they worship together. Countless people from every tribe, tongue, and nation will gather around the throne in worship of the one true God. That's why people in church gather together to worship because that's what they will do in all of eternity because he is worthy. They recognize that he is their life. Worship of God. The one who has conquered the grave and we are raised with him. So if you're not really interested in the gathering of the saints to worship the Lord on earth, what makes you think that you will want to do that for all of eternity? You see, Christ who is my life, we will see him in glory. We live in the resurrection power. Look at verse three here. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is point number two this morning. It's thus. My life in Christ is a new creation. My life in Christ Jesus is a new creation. Guess what? When Jesus took our place upon the cross, we died with him. Because all of our sins are paid for upon the cross. It was as if you had been on the cross yourself. Because Jesus paid the full penalty of sin. And now God has declared us righteous. He has declared you holy. Because when he looks upon you, he doesn't see the filth, the ugliness of all your sin. He sees Christ. And we are now hidden in Christ, we are a new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. One day, Napoleon's prized steed, his horse, ran away. An alert private immediately jumped on a horse and chased after the great military leader's steed, When the private returned the horse, Napoleon smiled at the private and said, thank you, captain. The overjoyed private immediately took his old uniform to the quartermaster and exchanged it for a captain's uniform. He then ran to his barracks, packed his bags, moved into the officer's quarters, and in an instant, the commander-in-chief changed his status from a lowly private to a commissioned officer. He simply believed what the general had said and he acted accordingly. Likewise, Jesus Christ has forever changed our status before God through the blood shed for us on the cross. In light of our new position, we can change our ways by the sovereign power of the risen Christ. That is the message of the check text here. Jesus changes the lives of those who are now in Christ. Not only does God 
see Christ when he looks at me, but people ought to see Jesus when they see me. They don't want to see Rob. Rob is a selfish, prideful, unpatient man, and yet through the power of Christ, he is transforming me to look like Jesus. I'm not there yet. I'm in process. But Christ, who is my life, when he appears, then I will also appear with him in glory. The word hidden here in this text in verse three can also mean protected or guarded. I think of it as Jesus is covering me up until the day when he will give me a new body, a resurrected body. But I am to live in my reality now that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is Lord and I will be with him So we've been raised with Christ and now we are hidden in Christ. And verse four says this, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is point number three this morning. It's thus. My life is Christ and I will be with him in glory. My life is Christ and I will be with him in glory. Christ is my ultimate treasure. He is my ultimate love. He is my life. Jesus tells us a parable about the treasure that we find in Christ in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. A man finds a treasure and in his joy he gives up all of his other things in pursuit of this one treasure. That's what it means when Paul writes Christ who is my life. You see, the joy that is found in the gospel is immeasurable. That you were once dead in your transgressions and sins, you were separated from God Almighty, you were made alive by the act of Christ upon the cross. I believe the only way that someone can say that Christ is my life is when their complete satisfaction and joy is found in Christ himself. And you're in pursuit of your true joy. You find him in Christ. Your complete satisfaction and joy is Christ himself. And how does that happen? I believe Jesus gives us the keys to that. Referring back to the illustration at the beginning. Some of you wonder, how do I live this Christian life? I feel like I'm failing all the time. You find complete and utter satisfaction in Christ himself. 
complete joy in what he did in his finished work upon the cross. This is what Matthew 13, I'm sorry, this is what the Beatitudes say. And I believe that these Beatitudes give us a picture of someone who has found joy in Jesus, has found treasure in Christ himself. Beatitudes, Matthew chapter five begins with blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is someone who is poor in spirit? They know their need for God. They are desperate because they know that they have nothing to offer to God themselves. They cannot save themselves. And I think that that leads to someone, leads to blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Knowing that you are a sinner, weeping over sin, confession of your sin, which leads to blessed are those that are meek for they shall inherit the earth Allowing the spirit to control every area of your life. Which leads to blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Allowing the spirit of the Lord to control every area of your life allows you to yearn for Christ's likeness and hunger and thirst for righteousness that God can provide. Which leads to blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We understand the grace and mercy God has given us, and we can extend that grace and mercy to others. Which leads to blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. A purity of heart, a change of desire, and a desire to see God who, as he is. Which leads us to blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Which leads to those who sow the gospel as peacemakers bring peace between God and man. Which leads us to blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are persecuted in their life because of their bold proclamation. Which leads to blessed are you when Others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. It's a hatred by others on account of Christ. This leads to complete and utter joy in Christ and God himself. This is the joy-filled life, not based upon their circumstance, but based upon their necessity or their need for the gospel themselves. Complete joy and satisfaction because Christ is my life. Paul writes this, he says, when Christ, who is your life. Let me ask you this question. Is Christ your life? Or are you playing church? 
Have you died? And do you live in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ? Or is this just a game? You may be here this morning and saying, how do I begin to find complete and utter satisfaction and joy in the finished work of the cross of Christ and his resurrection? And the answer is very simple. You pray and you ask the Lord for salvation because you cannot do it yourself. The Lord will return. When Christ, who is your life, appears, he will come back then you will also appear with him in glory. Those who have been hidden in Christ will appear in glory with Christ. Those who do not, God's wrath will pour out upon them as he pours out his wrath upon the earth because of sin. Yet thanks be to God, he has provided a way of escape through Christ Jesus our Lord. When we place our full trust in him, he promises that he will save us. He gives us a new heart, one that yearns after God, one that loves God, one that desires the things of God. And in my analogy, you may be a Christian who said, I, I have placed my trust in Christ, but I fail at the smallest of things. He is not my life. I've been living for myself in the way of the world and I need to repent to allow Christ to change my life. Since I have been raised with Christ, I must seek the things that are above. I must set my mind on the things that are true in my reality, which is Christ is on the throne. And we too must ask the Lord as believers to change our hearts and our minds to renew our hearts and our minds. And we must look to the finished work of the cross of Christ because we never get past it. We grow deeper in that as believers in Jesus Christ. And we must cry out to him. So in this Easter Sunday, let us be the man who is declared a captain. Let us be people of God who are declared righteous in Christ Jesus let us be people of God who walk in the spirit rather in the flesh because Christ has raised us to a new life and we are resurrected people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your grace and your mercy in our life in this passage. We thank you for the truths.
that challenge us so deeply in the word of God. Father, help us to allow Jesus to be our life, to be our all. Father, we fail. And yet we need the power of Christ in us to renew us, to restore us, to help us put our minds upon things above, not on things of the earth. Help us to be that kind of people. Lord, we love you and we thank you for you have given us new life in Christ.